Well, praise the Lord. Glad y'all are all here this morning. This is the best place to be in the world. I can guarantee you this morning, not because I'm preaching it, but God has got a word for you if you grab hold of it. Amen. Look at the person beside you and say, get ready. Okay, let me just a few reminders this morning before I get into this, because I'll never remember it again. Don't forget, we have the bookmarks in the back of the church for the confessions going on this year. We're going to have one every month, all right? So if you don't have one, pick one up in the back, get it stuck in something, get it confessing. How many of you are using it? Everybody should be raising their hands, looking with a smile on their face, saying, yes, pastor, I am, just to make me feel good. I'm telling you, you got to be crazy if you don't. You got to want pain in your life. I mean, if you wake up every morning and say, the good hand of God is upon me and I'm blessed, I'm blessed, I'm blessed, I'm blessed. If you just get that much out, you're going to be making just unbelievable, unbelievable tracks into the high place. Amen. But I'm telling you, you got to get your confession going right. In 2020, if you want to see, I started out this message preaching about looking to the, the, your future. And, you know, this morning, I mean, I mean, good gosh, just go look at the news this morning. Everything's going to kill you, right? If the planet's not going to kill you, then the virus is going to kill you, then this is going to kill you, and that's going to kill you, and then if there's anything left, all the government's taking all your money. I mean, you know, so there, I mean, there's no, when you look at it and you read that, that, who wants to have any hope for the future? But I'm telling you, 2020 can be the greatest year of your life if you'll grab hold of the Word of God, grab hold of what we've been preaching this month, and, and get this confession going. Wake up in the morning saying, man, the good hand of God is upon me, and I'm blessed, I'm blessed, I'm blessed, I'm blessed. I cannot be cursed. All right? And get your confession going, and if you do, you're going to start to see results happening in your life. If you just wake up in the morning and say, oh, God, it's Monday. One what's going to break today. Well, then that's what you're going to get. Hello? So anyway, so I started out, I can't believe this is the last Sunday in January already. And so I started out the whole year's message on, out of Philippians chapter 3. I, I encourage you to go back, listen to the last three messages if you've missed them. Um, started out Philippians 3.13 where Paul says, Brethren, I, I do not count myself as apprehended, but one thing, I do forget those things that are behind and reach forward to those things that are ahead. I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ. And, and if you're going to have success in 2020, you're going to walk in what's going on this year. You've got to do these three things. First is you've got to forget the past. You have got to get rid of the past. You have got to get the baggage that you're carrying around of offenses, the, the baggage of, of your own uh, anger at yourself for failures. You, you, you got to get it off of you, folks. You got to be fresh. You got to be, listen, and nobody going to run the race and win if you're running with chains all around you. Life is hard enough to run anyway, unless, you know, much less carrying a, you know, a backpack on you with, you know, 50 pounds. Hello? Look at the person beside me and say, that's right. Because what happens is, is you get to carry that baggage with you. You know, that's all you're doing. It's just going to weight you down. It's going to drag you down. Amen. So we talked about that, but we talked about we've got to start looking for the future. He said, reaching for the future. And that's where I've been in these last other two weeks is talking to you about reaching for the future. You've got to look for your future. You've got to be able to believe God's word is true and that God is going to bring about in your life what his word promises. If you don't, if you're just sitting there thinking, well, I'm just living life. 
And this is a dangerous place to be. I'm just living life, and whatever happens, happens, and I'll just deal with it. Okay, well, let me tell you what. You're in trouble. Because no matter what you do, if you're not prepared in the Word of God and what God's promises are for you, you're not prepared, you're not strengthened, well, then when when the attack comes, you're not ready to fight. Folks, listen to me. Don't ever go buy a gun for a home defense. Buy a gun, buy a box of shells, leave it in the box and put it underneath your bed. You didn't do anything. You didn't get defense. You think the burglar is going to come into your house and say, I'm in here right now. I'm going to let you get your gun out and get it out and figure out how to get the shells in it because, you know, that's what you're supposed to do. I'll go ahead and give you a chance. Is that what's going to happen? No, man, you better learn how to work what you got. Hello? It's not the time to be saying, wow, gosh, did I buy a 12 or a 20 gauge? Is it the little red shell? Or is it the blue one? No, you better know what you're doing, right? Now, we're all country people, so you're saying, oh, Robert, that's ridiculous. Nobody do that. Well, are you doing that with the Word of God? Are you doing that with your life? Are you putting your hands and trusting your hands that you can come up with it at the moment? Hello? Look at the person beside you and say, ah, he's already preaching good this morning. I mean, seriously, we do these things in the natural. We do these things in the natural, but we take the Word of God and we put it over there in a, in a compartment that if we need it, we'll go to it and use it. But it's too late then. The robber's already in the house. He's already got his gun drawn and he's already on you. It's too late. I was watching this gun smoke yesterday, and the bad guys came riding in. There's four of them, and the other guy was just standing there with his rifle. And I'm looking at the whole situation. I'm just, you know, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm a little extreme, but I'm watching. It's just a movie, but still I'm getting into it. And they're bad guys, and he thinks they're bad guys, but he's not sure. And so he's got his rifle pointed away from them. They're there, and I'm like, you already lost it. I don't know what's going to happen in the movie, but you have already messed up. You should have shot that guy right off the saddle, right off the bat. You should have, man, thrown a bead on him and said, I'm going to blow a hole in you so big, you're going to be able to throw my hat through it. Right off the bat, you should have never gave him a chance because what happened? They got the draw on him, they killed him. So what I'm saying is I'm not going to live like that with the enemy. And I'm trying to teach y'all that. In 2020, you need to be looking for your future. You need to be preparing for your future. You need to make sure that you are sharp with the weapons that God has given you so that you can attack at any moment. When the attack comes, you just look over the wall and say, (laughs) that ain't going to work. I was reading in the Old Testament book, 2 Chronicles, where um, the king of, of, of Israel had an army of 300,000, which sounds like a lot. But then the Ethiopian king came against him, and he had a million-man army. Okay, that's 700,000 more. Hello? That's a lot. I mean, he's way outnumbered, way outgunned. But he prayed, and he said, Lord, You're able to save with many or to save with few. Doesn't make any difference. We rest on you for you're our defense. And they defeated him. Okay, but thank goodness he was smart enough to turn to God at that moment. You don't know when the million-man armies come into your door. 
And that's not the time to say, where was that scripture now? Pastor said something, you know, do y'all remember where that scripture was? It's somewhere. I think it was over here by the coffee stain somewhere. Uh, Let me see. (laughs) I think it was on the right side somewhere. See, you're already at at a loss. You should have blowed him off the horse. Hello? You should have gone ahead and been ready and said, you want some of me? Okay. So we went through a whole bunch of things. We talked about that the only way you're going to ever get prepared is that you have to get the seed of the Word of God in your life. Tracy was just going over that scripture. God gave us seed, time, and harvest. We talked about the parable of the sower, the sower sows seed. We talked about that Jesus' word is seed and that the place it's being planted is within your heart. Hello? Went over all this. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 over there, we talks about, you know, all issues are going to come out of your heart. And you got to keep your heart clean. You got to keep the ground good. You got to keep it prepared. But you got to be sowing all the time. Now, let me ask you this. As a farmer, let's say the farmer went to the bank and he borrowed money to plant, let's just say plant wheat. So he went to the bank, said, I said, I want to plant so many uh, you know, acres of wheat. I'm going to plant that. Here's the deal. This is what the wheat costs. La, 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 la. He gets in there. He gets in there. The banker says, okay, I'll loan you the money. He loans him the money. And then the banker goes and bank inspector shows up to check, see how the wheat crop's doing. And he goes out there and there's no wheat. And he says to the farmer, well, I thought you were going to plant wheat. And he says, well, you know, I got it all. I got the field prepared and I and I got it all out there, but, you know, I just never did have time to go down and get any seed. I just thought it might grow. Y'all would all say, you're an idiot. Right? If you were down there, Frankie, if you're down there drinking in the coffee shop and all the guys are sitting around there, somebody said, well, I didn't get a very good wheat crop this year. And said, so, well, what did you plant? Well, I never did plant any. You just say, well, you've got to have planted seed to get a crop. Am I right? That's a natural thing. If you don't plant seeds, you're not going to get a crop. You cannot get mad if you don't have anything growing in your garden if you didn't plant anything in your garden. you got to plant some seeds. You can't get mad at God and say, God, why didn't you do something for me when you have no seeds of the Word of God in your heart that's growing and producing. We seem to think that and put God on this, this, this I don't know, I don't know what you call it. We, we, we put God in a place to where we think he's just going to interject into our lives when we cry out to him and need it. And on our part, we don't have anything to do. But just pray to him and then he does it and then we just live. Well, that's not the way it is, folks. He said, <laughs> your heart is the, seed, is the seed box, is the planter, is where I'm planting the seed of the word of God. And when you plant the seed of the word of God, because... Remember, according to Romans chapter 12, each one of y'all have a measure of faith on the inside of you. Faith is what causes the seed to grow. And you each have a measure of faith on the inside of you. So then faith can produce with the word of God and grow in your heart. And then what happens is miracle takes place. And where we find ourselves is doing this too much. And I'm sorry, don't get mad at me. It's just truth. We find ourselves like this. A problem arises. It comes to us. Because we're Christians, we know something generally about the Word, about the Bible, about the promises of God. We back up and say, oh God, this is happening right here. I don't know what's going on, but somewhere in your Word it says uh, that you would help me. Will you help me? Well, folks, that's no position to fight from. What God says is, I gave you my Word, and that's what we're going to look at this morning. I gave you my Word, now you've got to do something with it. Let me show you a scripture here. 
Go down uh, in in your get your Bibles out and go to uh, John chapter six verse sixty three. Let's start there. John six sixty three. Jesus is speaking. He says, "It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit, and they're life." Now, just think about this. Jesus said, what I'm saying to you, there's that these words that I have are contained. They're engineered in heaven to produce whatever you need that word to do in your life. They're full of spirit and they're full of life. These words I'm speaking to you. The words that Jesus spoke, the word of God that is written down in here that we have, this is not just a book. Listen to me. This is not just a book. This is not just ink on paper. This is your Bible. This is your promises from God. They are yours. It's you. It's personally to you. When Jesus is speaking to Peter, Paul, James, whoever, all the disciples, everybody talking about, he's speaking it to you. It's yours. It's personal. If you don't take it personal, as if he spoke it to you. Now, I remember one time, you know, there was a bunch of naysayers and they were trying to basically in in a humanistic thought say, well, that's you can't do that. You can't take the word of God and take it to yourself like that and make it personal. He didn't speak that to you. No, he spoke it to the world. That's like saying, oh, that's such a stupid way to think. Because that's like saying when, what things that Jesus did. If you believe in me, you shall not perish and have everlasting life. He spoke that to the world, to every person who wants to believe it. But if somebody doesn't want to take those words and then believe them, you know what's going to happen? They're not going to get saved. Do you realize that everything that we do as far as Christianity goes is all on a belief system? That's why it's so scary right now because there's people out there saying they don't necessarily want to believe that the word of God is all true. They want to piece it out. They want to believe what they want to believe and not believe what the other thing says. They don't want to apply it all together. And that's what's scary because when you start doing that, then you're picking and choosing to believe what God said. Right? We're not trusting him that what he said is right. Isn't it funny that when we were children and Mother, put your fingers over your ears right now. Just, just put your fingers in your ears right there. Don't want to hear this. Okay, when we were children, we didn't think that our parents knew what they were talking about. But then when we had children, we wanted them to do exactly like we said. Hmm. Hello? And then by the time we got the grandkids, they're like, that's your problem. I deal with it. I ain't got no time to mess with that. <laughs> Y'all figure it out. I try to teach you right. Do the best you can. Right? See, what happens is the same thing. We're thinking God's like a parent. We're looking at him like maybe he's telling us things that we don't really, you know, I mean, we'll do it if we want to. We pick and choose. And picking and choosing gets you in trouble because then you're not knowing what to believe. And you get double-minded. And the Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Look at Proverbs chapter 30, verse 5. Proverbs 30, verse 5. Let me show you a little bit more about the Word of God before I get to go in here and just sow in the seed. It says, every word of God is pure. 
He is a shield to those who put their trust in him. The word pure, it means to smelt, refine, test, prove true, or to make pure. He says every word is pure. In other words, every word that God spoke to you in a promise, that word is already engineered to perfection to perform what it's spoken to do. A corn seed's already engineered genetically that it's going to produce the stalk, the plant. It's not going to grow upside down. It's already engineered to come up right. Hello? Inside that seed, we don't think about it. We don't question it. We just plant it. Because you know, by faith, if you plant the seed in the ground, you water it and take care of it. If it's good seed, it's going to germinate good. Then you, your confidence gonna, it's going to be good. It's going to grow like it's supposed to. I grew up as a kid... Things that, that, that I saw that my father did that I never really never really thought much about, I just accepted it as that's just the way you do it, okay? And then as I, after years, I got saved and started serving the Lord and started reading the Bible, I started realizing how many things that I, he was, I was doing, just doing what he, because he said it, was just like faith in following the Word of God. And I never forget every year, you know, around September, you're getting ready to start planting oats. And my dad would always take two burlap toe sacks. He'd wet them, put, put them down right in front of the dog's water. He'd take the oat seeds that we were going to plant. He'd scatter them in there. He'd put the other burlap sack on top of them. Then for a few weeks, he'd keep, them, keep it moist. And then the seed would germinate. And then he would look at the seeds to see how many of them were good. If it was all the oats, you know, tended to be good. And so I always ask him questions like, well, how do you, what do you know, how do you know if, you, you just got the good ones, like you just grabbed in there and you got the good side, and over there they're all bad or something. He said, well, you just, he said that, you know, he just always get kind of frown at me and tell me to be quiet and get in the truck, you know? <laughs> and, uh, but that's the way he tried to see if the seed was good, right? Well, let me tell you what, the Word of God is already pure. It's already been tested. It's already been tried. It has already been the, the proven effect of the way God works in human lives. The Word's there. You don't have to worry about it. It's already engineered to work. If God said, everything you put your hand to will prosper, then it is already engineered by faith, if you believe it, that everything you put your hands to will prosper. Well, but what if it's not the will of God, or what if it's this? Listen to me. You're already doubting yourself, then I don't think you have any faith to believe that what you're doing and putting your hands to is going to prosper. So let's just take some general ones. You get married. Let's take a big one. You get married and you have kids. You want to believe God that your family is going to be successful. You, well, you've put your hand to this. Don't you want God to prosper it? Or are you just sitting there saying, well, I don't know. We're going to raise these kids the best we can, but I don't know, you know. May grow up and just be dumb as a post and not ever get anything done. I don't know. You know, you're not thinking that. I hope you're not thinking that. Heavens to Betsy. But what you put your hand to, you're believing it to prosper. Hello? But you got to have something to base it off of. Oh, we've got really good genes in our family. Everybody's going to be good. No. You better be basing it on the Word of God because God's hand is upon you. Because God said you're blessed. Because you put your hand to it, and so therefore God's going to prosper. You better have the, something that works behind you. Because if you're just doing it by your faith, your strength, your abilities, folks, I want to tell you something, you're going to fail. No matter how good you are, you'll fall your, find yourself falling short somewhere. Hello? Because you cannot plan for everything. Right? How about this? 
You know, you plan your life, you plan for your retirement, you plan for your, your health, you've exercised, you've eaten right, you've, you've done everything right, you've got, you know, your finances are set up and all like that, but you didn't figure in the coronavirus. I mean, I'm just throwing it out there, just whatever's in the news, right? You didn't figure that in. Oh, man, spent my whole life preparing for this other thing, and I didn't figure in the coronavirus. You're not going to get it all figured in, is what I'm telling you. Hello? Look at the person beside you and say, yeah, that's right. You cannot figure it all in, folks. You don't know what's going to come. My experience in life, I am doing absolutely today what I never figured I would do. All right? I just wanted to be on the back of a horse being a cowboy is all I ever wanted to do in life. So my point is, life can change and life has its ways of twisting and turning everything, but you better get down God in your heart. And God in your in, in his word in you that's pure, that's tested, that's tried, that will have success if you use it. But you have to use it. So let me show you something. Psalms 107.20. Look here. Psalms 107.20 says he sent his, what does it say? He sent his what? Angels. Sent his angels and healed them. He sent holy salt and healed them. He sent the magical waters and healed them. No, it says he sent his word and healed them. What do you mean he sent his word and healed them? How'd that work? How's that work? Because God is engineered. He said, I'm God and I want to bless everybody. And I want to bless everybody equally. I want Pat to be blessed as much as Jimmy. I want everybody to be blessed. I want everybody to be blessed equally. So the only way I can do it is to put faith in every person's heart, the measure they need to believe my word. And then I'm going to give them all my word. And those who believe it will see success. And those who don't, well, it's their fault. <laughs> Some of y'all looking at me like, that ain't right. That ain't make me my fault. See, that's why I love preaching about the rednecks like y'all. Y'all are just like, you know, ready to go out to war at any second. I love it. Throw down. Hello? He said, I, left it I sent my word and I healed you. How does he heal by the word? Sent my word and I healed you. Well, how did he create the world? He spoke it into existence. He sent his word and said, light be and light was. He said, water be, earth be, plants be. He spoke and it happened. God is a God who's figured, you know, it's not like figured it out. He invented it, but I'm just saying. God is the God that's figured out that the best way to do it is to speak the word and make it happen. So he said, I want to heal everybody. Healing. Sure's. Everybody's like, what? What do you mean? He goes, I don't understand. Still, still got a cough. Oh, I'm sorry. You have to, he's like, he said, oh, I, you got to plant it in your heart and believe it and let it grow. And, and you believe it. The minute you have revelational faith in what I said is true, boom, by the Spirit, it happens. Because what I'm dealing, what you're dealing with is not natural, it's spiritual. Okay, now this is going to sound like a crazy statement. All right? And y'all, uh, just, just pray for me if you don't believe me. The coronavirus... The answer to the coronavirus is the blood of Jesus. You know why I know that? Because sickness is under the curse. So redemption from under the curse is the answer to the healing to make that happen. It's a spiritual matter, but they're going to deal with it in a natural matter. And so they may be successful or they may not. I'm dealing with it 
on a spiritual level? I'll show you that in a minute. So the answer for Wuhan is the gospel being preached. And people hearing, he sent his word and he healed them and delivered them from their destruction. That word is the answer for Wuhan. Because every person in China has faith within them to believe the word of God. Because Romans 12 tells us everyone's been dealt a measure of faith. So it's already in them. They're engineered. The word's engineered. It's pure. It's undefiled. And the moment they believe that the word of God is true, boom, healing comes into their life. Because it's a spiritual matter that's manifest in the physical. Am I right? I'm right. Dr. Skip over there shaking his head. Yeah, that's right. Got Dr. Brown over here shaking his head. That's right. Two doctors, that's a majority, bless God. <laughs> Good for me. Hey, what, I got a third, do I have a third over there? Shake, I got three doctors now, all in agreement. Are y'all with me here? You say, well, that sounds crazy. Who's going to, you know, you're just not going to, you know, our government's not going to say, we'll help y'all out. Let us send you the Bibles. They're not going to do it because everybody's arguing about you can't use the name of God. And so they're missing it. They're missing the answer. The answer is right here. Go to John chapter 1, the gospel of John chapter 1. John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the... Huh. In the beginning was the word. And the word was... His word was with God and the word was God. Everybody say the word was God. In the beginning was the word, and the word was actually God? So he sent his word, and he healed them. He sent the word, he sent his word, he sent himself and healed them. How? By the faith in your heart, believing that his word is true and trusting in him. Well, Pastor, one time I prayed and I didn't see anything happen. Pray again. Get hold of the Word of God. Get your faith going because something happens. That's the way it works. I'm telling you, this is the way it works. Listen to me. You're not going to find any other dog and pony show better that's going to, you know, you may find people trying to say, oh, you this, that, and the other, but I'm just telling you, this is the way it works. God's Word is God. His promise to you is His promise to you is Him in His Word, God in the Word, in you bringing about whatever he said. There's no other way it works. The moment revelational faith comes into you, you're looking at the word, you're believing the word, and all of a sudden you're really believing that what God said to you about you is true, it changes things. The moment it's just kind of like rolling around in your mind and you're just kind of mentally a thinking about it and kind of sitting and oh, isn't that sweet? No. But it's not really revelational faith to you. You just have a knowledge of it, but not a revelation knowledge of it. And so it doesn't change anything in you. You're smarter. You may know where the scripture is. You may know where to quote it from. You may know what side of the Bible it's on. You know, you know it's over there by the coffee stain, but it's just up here in here, mental assenting. It's not down here in your heart, trusting and knowing that that's the truth. That when the Catastrophe happens when the thing comes to your door and knocks you. So like, you got the wrong address. And you know it. You're not like, ah, pray, oh my God. 
Because that just showed in the abundance of your heart, you didn't really believe it, that God was going to do it. We're all there, folks. Listen to me. The other day, let me just tell you this story. This is the way it happens. The other day, after the Frasers were here and, and we had talked and, and, and got some things that I'll talk to you about in the future, and I got excited about giving and some other areas and some things going on, and I just got to see and hearing the stories of kids getting rescued and lives being changed, and I was all pumped up. Not man, I was ready to roll. I was like, man, I was like a gladiator in the middle of the arena. I was like, send out any lines you want, buddy. I got, I'm ready. And so then they left, and no sooner did they the dust get out of the road. I checked my emails and there was a bad one. And then I got a phone call and then there was something else. And it was just like in a minute I was attacked in my mind. I was attacked and all these different things. Three, three events took place real quickly. And in my mind, it wasn't that I was, I got discouraged in my mind. I was, it was trying to get me discouraged. It was trying to get me to go over to that other arena and it was trying to and it was in my mind I knew it was and finally but I was quick enough I caught it and I said oh stop no way this is not what's going down listen to me I'm telling you this is what's going to happen this is what the word of God says I am blessed I'm blessed I'm blessed this is what's going on that's not going to happen you can shut up you're go play what if with somebody else somewhere else you're not, that's not what's going to happen. This is my future. This is what God's word says. This is where we're going. We're going to give, we're going to rescue millions of people. We're going to see souls saved. We're going to see revival come. We're going to see a healing revival come. We're going to see this. We're going to see that. We're going to go on forth. And I just began to speak it out of my mouth. And you know what? In about 20 minutes, there was no more whispers. There was no more yakking in my head. There was no more time. But if I wouldn't have fought that battle, I'd have been at home, you know, over in the corner, sucking my thumb in the fetal position. Because, I mean, these weren't fiery darts that were shot at me. These were nuclear missiles. And today, this moment, I don't, you know, I don't even know where they're at, the missiles. They're gone. But if you don't defeat them like that, they're going to take over. And they're going to they're gonna sow seed in your heart, and then that's what you're going to believe. And they're always going to get you to coming up with doubt. And doubt is what kills faith. Doubt is what stops faith from moving. And the moment you enter into doubt... Your faith is dead and you're not going to see victory. And that's just the way it works, that there is no other formula. I wish, I've told you all this so much, I wish somebody, somebody gave us, somebody was really nice and gave us a, a bottle of anointing oil from, from, from uh, Israel. And I wish I had that anointing oil. I wish it was like the, the, the super duper power, woohoo, you know? You just come here, I slap someone, you just, Everybody's just healed, walking out here, jumping and jumping, money in their pockets. Pockets just bulging with money. Just as minute you come, I lay some oil on you. Wouldn't that be cool? Right? I mean, what if I, what if you bring your sack of money, drop a $100 bill in it, bring your sack of money up here, put it in a brown paper sack, I'll anoint it with oil, you shake it, and it turns into a 1000 Would this church not get full? Everybody's standing there with their money in the back. Here, come my back. Here, come on, come on, come what are we going to do when the oil runs out? You follow what I'm saying? There's nothing else that works, but what I'm telling the word works. It's pure. It's tried. It's tested. It's going to work in your life. What I'm telling you is the same as the miracle anointing oil. It's just called you believing God's promises to you are true and then walking in them. And if you'll do it, you'll see victory. You'll see God moving. 
Because God is the word himself. Go to Psalms 107. Psalms 107. Psalms 107.1. I encourage you today just to read Psalms 107. Sit down and go through it real slowly and just read it. But let me just pick out a, a portion here in verses 1 through 15. It says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. So the redeemed of the Lord has to do something. They have to say. What are they saying? His mercy endures forever. God is good. Whom, has redeemed, whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Has God redeemed you from the hand of the enemy? Is the coronavirus an enemy? You know, it's so funny about me, the name they call it the coronavirus. I don't know why. Like if I was the Corona beer company, I would be saying, why, why do you call it the coronavirus? That's the first thing I thought of. The coronavirus of them Chinese people in Wuhan drinking too much Corona, and now they got a virus in me. That's the first thing I thought of. I thought, I didn't know they drank Corona in China. That is sake or something. No, that's Japan. <laughs> got the old coronavirus, and it's forever stuck in my head. I see the commercial and the virus. But they're redeemed from the hand of the enemy. What's your enemy? Think about it. What's your enemy? Well, would poverty not be your enemy? How about anxiety? Would that be your enemy? Fear? Would that be your enemy? Folks, we really don't have to, we really don't have to go through a list of what's your enemy. I mean, we pretty much know that, right? It's not like you're like, oh, I didn't know that was bad. You go to the doctor, he says you have a disease. You say, is it a good one or a bad one? Hello? You go to the doctor because you're sick. Nobody goes to the doctor just for a visit. I just like being here. For surely not the dentist. Hello? But you see what I'm saying? You, when you go to a doctor, it's something sick. You don't expect him to give you, oh, you're so lucky. We did these test results on you, and you have a good disease. You need to eat chocolate every day. <laughs> you were required to eat three cookies. Right? That doesn't happen. My point is, we know what the enemy is. So why are we thinking God's in cahoots with the enemy? How can people come up and think that God's putting sickness on, or God's using anything of the enemy? Folks, we're in a war. We're in a war, and we know who the enemy is. And it says right here, whom God has redeemed you from the hand of the enemy. God has redeemed you. You are redeemed from the curse of the law. You're redeemed under the curse by the blood of Jesus. You've been redeemed, you're taken out. It's no light, does not have a part of your life. It does not belong to you. Fear does not belong in your life. And he gathered out the lands, and from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south, they wandered in the wilderness in a desolate way. They found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them. Then look at what they did. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. Oh, they began to say something. And he delivered them out of their distress. Oh, isn't that amazing? They cried out, God delivered. They cried out, God delivered. They cried out, God delivered. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. They cried out, God delivered. They cried out. That's what the whole thing in Psalms 107 is. They cry out, they get delivered. They cry out, they get delivered. They cry out, they get delivered. And he led them forth by the right way that they might go into a city for a dwelling place. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works 
to the children of men. For he satisfies the longing soul, he fills the hungry soul with goodness, those who sat in darkness in the shadow of death, bound in afflictions and iron, because they rebelled against the words of God. Why did they get in trouble? Because they rebelled against the words of God. Not like, we're not going to do it, God. It's that they quit doing it. And we have Christians in the world today that don't know what is of God and what is of the devil. And that can't be, folks. We know what the enemy is. If sickness is of God, then we should grab hold of it and embrace it and die. Come on, I'm just preaching truth. If sickness is of God and it is his will for you to be sick, then you should not go to the doctor and you should just let it eat you up. Y'all are looking at me when I said something dirty. I didn't. I'm just telling you the truth. Is that, does that make sense? If God's will is for you to be sick, then why are you trying to get well? So every person that gets sick goes to a doctor to try to get well because they know it's the enemy in their heart of humanity. But crazy preachers have misinterpreted the word of God, turned things around, twisted things around, and started preaching something that they didn't know what they were talking about. And they misinterpreted what God's word is and and who the enemy is. They became mouthpieces of the devil and told people that till doubt filled people's hearts. Until now, they're having to struggle to get back in faith so they can see God's word work in their life. Goes on down and says, he, and despised the counsel of the Most High. Therefore, he brought down their hearts with labor. They fell down, and there was none to help. They cried out to the Lord in their trouble. He saved out of their distress. He brought them out of darkness in the shadow of death. He broke their chains in pieces. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and his, his wonderful works to the children of men. Are y'all following me here this morning? Because what I'm trying to say to you is that when you begin to walk in the Word of God, begin to apply the Word of God to your life, you begin to see the miracles of God taking place, the supernatural power of God taking place. Now let me give you one more scripture here, and then I'm just going to quit. Let y'all go home and eat roast and potatoes and cafe food, whatever, and let the Holy Ghost deal with you. Go to the book of Ephesians chapter 6. Somebody asked me the other day, they said, do I have any fears in my life? Personally, do I have any fears? And I said, yeah, I do. That's one that really bothers me. And they said, what's that? And I said, that I would run out of shells. That I would be in a fight and I don't have enough clips. It's just, it's truth. I'm just being brutally honest because I can't think of anything worse than being in a gun battle and running out of shells. And the moment I said that out of my mouth, the Holy Ghost said, that's why you keep an abundance of word so that you're not running out. And I said, absolutely. I ain't running out of word. Whatever comes my way, I got a word for it. All right? I've ingrained it, planted in my heart. I have rows of it planted. If that plant gets eaten and dies, I got more down there because I'm not running out of shells. I ain't running out of ammo. I'm not running out of ammo with the word of God. Hello? So it says here that we need to arm ourselves. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. You can't do this on your own. You have to do this under the power of God. 
Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. He's telling you what you're standing against. For we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against the spiritual host of wickedness in heavenly places. He tells us right here what we're doing. He tells us that our battles in life are spiritual. We keep thinking they're natural. Are y'all hearing me? We keep thinking everything's natural. And Paul says right here, the battles you're facing, they're not natural. They're spiritual. He said, well, I don't understand, Pastor, because, I mean, I'm physically sick. I know, but it's got a spiritual root to it. Everything does. Everything was created by the Spirit. God created it, spoke it into existence. Everything on the face of this earth was created by God's Spirit. Does anybody want to disagree with me on that one? I, didn't, I don't get even any head nods here. I get nothing. Y'all are staring at me like, you're frozen. Do you believe Genesis 1's true? Right? Do we all believe that? Or did we come from monkeys? Okay, we didn't crawl out of the sea. We believe in creation. And God spoke everything into existence. Speaking something into existence is a spiritual matter. Right? It's a spiritual thing. So this whole world and everything around you you see was created by the Spirit. Yes, we see it in the physical. We live in this physical world, but it was created in the Spirit. It didn't just quit existing. This is really good. Listen, I'm on something here. This is good. It didn't, we see it, we touch it, we feel it. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's, well, that's in the physical. But what created that was in the Spirit. So what Paul's saying here is, look, you're fighting a fight, but you're not fighting against physical things. You're really fighting against spiritual things. You're fighting against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness, spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. You're really, your battle that you're wrestling with that's putting doubt in your mind is a spiritual thing, not a physical thing. It's not a mental thing. You may be processing it through your mental, but it's coming about as a spiritual thing. Can I have an Amen. So he says, if you're going to deal with it, you're going to have to deal with it in the spiritual. Man, if I could just get the devil out here and we could just fight it out, just go to Fifth City, guns, knives, you know, whatever. I mean, it'd be one thing, right? We'd be training different. But that's not the way he fights. It's a spiritual battle. So he tells us what to do here. He says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore. Now look what the first thing he says. Girding your waist with truth. Now, I know that Paul is using the, 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 the example of a, you know, a armor, fighting armor, but just forget about that for a minute. Forget that it's armor. Don't go right there with it. He says the first thing you've got to get hold of is truth. I don't know how, if you're like me. If you don't have a belt on, you may lose your pants. The older I get, the more I've got this physique like that. The body parts on me that I wish would get smaller are getting larger, and the larger ones are getting smaller. You know, I need that. And so I may lose my britches if I don't have a good belt cinched on. And you don't want to lose your britches in life in a spiritual battle. And Paul says, how are you going to keep them on is you got to get truth. Truth of what? Truth of his word. you got to know what the truth is. So you got to have it girded around your waist. It's the first thing I get hold of is truth. All right, he goes on. 
having put on the breastplate of righteousness. In other words, he says, the key also going to this is, do you know that you have the right to do this? Do you know that you're born again and child of God, and now, therefore, you have the right to do this? I was reading this article from a, a, in, a, in a Jewish uh, uh, website. And, you know, a Jewish person will never speak the name of God, you know. And so when they write it, they put G hyphen D. And so I was thinking about how hard it is to have a relationship with somebody that you can never mention their name. I just, when I was reading it, it hit me. I thought, how could I have a relationship with Pat if I couldn't call his name? You couldn't say Pat. How would you? Hello? How are you going to say this on the phone? Hello? I mean, how are you going to have a conversation? I can't use the name Pat. I can't say his name. It's going to be hard to have a relationship. How would you like to be married to somebody when you can never mention their name? And hey, you wouldn't work. If you don't know who you are in Christ, if you don't know, you don't have understanding of that you have a right to speak God's word because it's his promise to you to defeat spiritual principalities and powers. You don't have the right to grow the seed of the word of God in your life by faith. You don't know that. You don't have it in you. You're not going to do it. You're going to be off and never have a relationship with God. I look at it this way. Who did Jesus go to in life? Picked fishermen, right? Smelly fishermen. Some tax collectors. You know, people that were not, of, you know, high necessarily standards. Hello? So that's me. I fit in with that group. I I'm happy with that. I'm glad that that's who Jesus was. He went to those people, people that I can relate to, people that I can understand, people that I can, I, I, I can make a connection with. And that's who Jesus sat and he ate and did everything with him. So when I see Jesus, I'm like, man, Lord, you just want me to come be like crazy Peter and just sit there with you and just talk and learn and grow. And I mean, you're, man, whoo, this is good, Lord, right? I can go sit under a tree anywhere, have a conversation with the Lord, just talk to him. You have to have that. That's your breastplate. That you know who you are as a child of God. That you can go to him and say, hey, <clears throat> this event just happened. I don't, that's not, that is not of you. So which word do I need to use to defeat that? Having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Wait, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace? Well, didn't I just give you all the, the word, Romans 1.16 last week, and said that, Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of salvation to everyone believes. Wait, he's not ashamed of the gospel, not ashamed of the word, because it's the power to everyone who believes. He's not ashamed of the word. So you're going to shod your feet with the word. You're going to put what you're going to be moving and flowing in and, and walking in is the word. Hello? Putting on the helmet. No, wait, wait, I missed I'm going too far. Having your feet shot the preparation of the gospel piece. Above all, taking the shield of faith, which you will able to or we'll be able to quench all. Everybody say all. Everybody say it like you mean it. All. The fiery darts of the wicked one. Wow. Faith stops every fiery dart of the wicked. Don't make any difference if it's a nuclear missile, if it's a little arrow with a bird point on it. He, faith stops all. Isn't it funny? There's two things to find in the Bible that stops everything. Love and faith. He's saying this, the way I've 
organized this and engineered the pureness of my word is that when you believe my word, it's going to happen. There's nothing that can stop it. It's going to take place. It's going to quench every fiery dart of the, of the wicked one. Now take the helmet of salvation. Get something on your head because the devil's going to attack your head. So put a helmet on. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to the end of all perseverance and supplication for all the saints and for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Revelational faith that you get stops every attack that there is. There's nothing that can, that can stop revelational faith. You're going to win if you believe God's Word. You say, how do I know if I'm believing it? You know. You know, because you're at peace. Okay, here's one. I'll slap you one more time, and then, then I'll, I'll let you go. I got slapped with this one this week. I was thinking about something and kind of a little anxious about it and, and, and praying about it and everything, and then, boom, Scripture popped up, Matthew chapter 6. Take no thought for what you shall eat or what you shall drink. And I was like, <laughs> we all worry. The world is everything about every day of every life. We're worrying about work and this and that and the other and going forth and this like this. And Jesus literally says, don't even think about it. Seek first the kingdom of God. And then all the rest gets added to you. But do we do that? Do we line it up like that? No, we go out and do it exactly the opposite. We think about everything and then try to think about the kingdom of God if we have any time left over. So we do. We're geared like that, wired like that. When he says exactly the opposite, take no thought. Just prepare for the kingdom of God. And he said, what do you want me to do? Sit around all day with candles lit, praying, talking to each other? You know? Well, if that's what turns you on, I guess so. But I just go about my day praying and talking to the Lord all the time, preparing and getting the Word of God planted in my heart, making sure in the morning that I've done my word exercises. Uh-huh. I've done, done my word exercises. I've gone through the Word and got it down. I have them all written down, and I'm going through them, and I'm quoting them. I'm speaking. I'm saying, oh, Lord, this is what you said today. Hey, I wrote it down for you. Lord, it says over here in Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 8, good hand of God is upon my life. Numbers 23, 8, Lord, that I cannot be cursed. God, my, my enemies can't curse me. It says in Psalms 23, 4, though that I walk to the valley of the shadow of death, I'm not going to fear any evil. That's how you're planting seed in your heart. That's how you're cultivating. That's how you're fluffing your ground. That's how you're putting out fertilizer. That's how you're keeping your crops going because that's what's going to produce what you need. That's what you have to do. So I'm busy. Well, you're thinking about everything else instead of what you should be thinking about. What you should be thinking about is the Word of God. You get it going first, the rest just lines up. I was, I, I, I'm, I'm quitting, I really am. Um, I still got a minute. <clears throat> I, was, I was building an electronical thing yesterday, and, and, and anyway, the, the short version of it is uh, I, I built it, I knew I built it right, and then I got the, the, the tester out to test it, and I tested it, and, and it was working. I was like, Lord, God, I'll build another one. So I built another one, and then I got it all, and I was so proud of myself. And then I tested it and it didn't work. But, huh, what's wrong? And so I looked at the way I wired it. I said, no. Nah. I went over and looked at the other one. I said, oh, yeah, I wired it right. And tested it again. Nothing. Didn't work. Man, that's crazy. So I looked at the tester, turned it around a little bit, turned it back on, did it again. Thought, why is this thing not working? Looked in there. The little light's on. It's got power. Okay, why is this thing not working? 
And so I was just about to get angry. I could feel it rising. I was just about to like jerk it off the wall, stomp it. I was just getting to that irritated point and I'm just about to just get angry. And I stopped and I said, Holy Ghost, what is wrong? And it was just like, look at your meter. And I looked down at the meter and the little wire had come popped out of the deal and I pushed the dart in there and such it worked. But I was about to tear it off the wall because that wire had popped out. I didn't catch it. And I thought to myself, how many times in life do we do that? We're just that the answer is right before us. We just can't see it. We're just about to launch off, about to get into some serious trouble with the Lord, having to get some some major repenting going for the sinning we're about to do. Just going to, you know, curse the world, curse everybody, curse everything that happened, curse this, curse that. Just get in there, get this, turn into a, just a grump, make your wife mad, kids mad, everybody's running from you. The whole world's just going to pot. And then you find out it was just the wire right there. You just had to push it and it plugged in. Huh? Come on. How many of y'all know that's true? That happens to us all the time. It doesn't always seem to be that the enemy makes it bigger than it is, right? He always blows up and he's blowing smoke and then you open up the door and he's just a little chihuahua, you know? And just kick him across the yard and get rid of it, you know? It's not a big deal. Folks, all I'm telling you is you, this, this word that I'm preaching to you, you've got to get it going in your life. I'm believing God is, is wanting to do something special here. I believe God's wanting to get us moving forward. I believe God's wanting to bless you this year. I believe 2020 is going to be the greatest year of your life. I'm not saying the coronavirus is coming here. we got a coronavirus going on, but it ain't that. <laughs> we got another coronavirus. <laughs> yeah, some people are probably praying to catch it. Yeah, bless God, give me that coronavirus. But I'm just telling you, we got to get going. Amen. You got to get started. You got to go for it. Don't listen to this message. That's a good message. Go out there and forget about it. And don't do anything about it. Start in your preparation. Start daily reading your Bible. Start getting out as many places you can find. There are so many, so many things that, that can just, you can just go leaps and bounds. Sit down, man. Go over the plan with your family. Read the Bible. Look at it. Just do something. Folks, listen to me. It's like, it's like, most people blow it when they do an exercise program by like trying to be able to run a marathon in three weeks when you haven't even run your life anywhere in your life. And the main thing is, is just get started. Do something. If you just walked 100 yards more than you walked the day before, bless God, you did something. Hello? If you just pick your Bible up and you read for 10 minutes and you hadn't even read it before, uh, bless God, you're going forward. You're doing good. Keep going. Just keep adding and keep going and keep writing another scripture down and finding another card and getting your deal out there. Maybe you buy the cheater book, the one that has all the promises of God in it. You know, you can go right there in the bookstore. We got one in there, but we just stepped the price on them. No. <clears throat> Just go get one. Whatever you got to do. You see what I'm saying? Just to just keep yourself just a little bit more, a little bit more. My exercise program is to do more tomorrow than I did today. And if I didn't do anything today, then bless God, tomorrow's easy. Just do something. <laughs> Amen? Amen. Stand up if you would. Can I have my prayer team come down? And see, I believe in miracles. I believe in prayer team. I believe in the, the, the laying on of hands and God moving in people's lives. I believe God, for some reason, in his uh, understanding that we have a hard time understanding that the laying on of hands produces miracles. You say, that's kind of weird. That's kind of, it makes me feel weird inside when they talk like that, Pastor. 
I, how did I, I didn't come up with speaking words and miracles happening. I didn't come up with that. God did. He spoke things into existence. God moves a little different than we do, okay? But all I'm saying to you is this people are up here. They want to pray for you. If you have prayer needs today, if something's going on, you want to pray for somebody else, pray for yourself. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you need to come talk to one of these people and get, and get your life committed to him and going on the right road. Amen? But if you're out there listening, watching the broadcast today, listen to me. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, Jesus loves you, cares about you. He wants you to be a part of the kingdom of God. And if you want to commit your life to Christ right where you are listening, then right there, just begin to say, Jesus, come into my heart. I give you my life. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me in your blood. I want to be right with you. And right there he will. He'll come into your heart. He'll touch your life. And he'll change your life forever. So folks, I want you just to grab the hand of the person beside you. And I want to pray for you as we leave. Father, I just declare over these people today that your good hand is upon them, Nehemiah 2 and 8. That, Lord, you bless them today. And as they go forth out into the world, that, Lord, you begin to show them every avenue and every way that, Lord, we've been putting more into the things you told us not to think about and give us ways and ideas and burnings within our heart to sow your word in our lives so that we can stand on it, we can speak it, and we can see it come to pass. So, Lord, bless them today. I ask you to, just to, to bless our time this week. Get people in front of our past that we can tell about Jesus, Lord. And I thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. God bless you, church.